Hello folks, good evening, happy Sunday and welcome to the Gallant Few Rangers podcast. My name's Colin McDuff and I'm delighted to be your host this evening. I've got a stellar lineup ahead for you um, as you know, as we've got some big, big talking points. Rangers romp back to the top of the league, back where we belong. Um, first of all, we've got Scott. How are you this evening, mate? Top of the world, my man, top of the world. I'm good, Colin. I should warn the listeners, like, if we bust into, like, some sort of, I don't know, ABBA-themed, like, duet at some point today, just roll with it, man. I think we're all buzzing. I thought you were going to bust into song there, Scott. <laughs> also joining us, uh, we's, oh, that's a cracking mug, um, a good McCune's jersey showing off the, the merch. It's Chris Paul. How are you doing, mate? I'm good, mate. I'm good. Um, I just had uh, a wee cup of tea. Nothing's too special, eh? Um, celebrate what's happened this weekend. I'll leave that hopefully for the end of the season. But I am all good, mate. How are you? I'm good, mate. I um good. Just my my nerves were <laughs> shot um for about seventy minutes um this afternoon. But we finally got there, so I'm feeling nice and happy. Um, now that we got over the line. And last but not least, um, special guest, um, Rangers Twitter, um, hero, famous celebrity, Willie Owen. How you doing? <laughs> I don't think I've ever been called a celebrity, mate, but, oh, but I appreciate that. I look at um, it's weird to be back on podcasting again after obviously kind of been away for a while. So you've uh, you've gradually talked me into coming back on here. So here we go. See if, if the fun commences or if it all goes Pete Tong pretty quickly. Aye, I just want to make a couple of memorable, uh, no, notable observations. Will you wait until we're tapping the lead to come back? Um, no shame in that, <laughs> but Chris. Um, uh, you, you're the hero we all need. Every time you volunteer to come on the pod, you do it with a week's notice and Rangers claw back some more points in the league table. So, gonna just come on every week. I, I think I, I think if I come on every week, I'd probably lost my streak. But I, I've I've got a week in mind. I think a couple of weeks' time where we come back on, and hopefully that'll be six points gained. So it's a good run, mate. I'm I'm happy with it so far. Last but not least, before we head into the conversation, a lot of all the listeners watching in, um, live on YouTube, Facebook, Twitter, wherever you're watching, and everybody watching um, or listening after the fact as well. If you do like what you hear or see tonight, you can get more content. Just a quid a month on the members page or on the Patreon. If you don't like what you see, just be sound and fling as a like. Um, a wee sympathy like will go a long way. But Scott, let's get into it. So Rangers had a couple of changes uh, today. So we started with Butland and Goals, Tavernier, Goals and Suter, and Barisic coming in at left-back. Lundstrom, Diomande and Campwell in the midfield. Cortez, Scott Wright and Fabio Silva lead the line. So was there any surprises for you in that lineup? Um, I was surprised to see three signings start together. That's really the only thing. Scott Wright, um, that's 106 appearances now. I think about he's about five good games in it. Um, hooked at half time. Ineffective. Um, but I, you kind of, this team's got a, a feeling of 55 about it. See, during the 55 season, everything was like going to, going to shit over the way. And we were just churning out result after result after result. It's a very similar feeling. Yeah, squad. You've got your safe, you've with a comfortable 1-0 win it's at Mun Park there's been like a 2-1 win at home to Aberdeen even 3-1 during the week we're going behind and we don't seem to be panicking Um, so even with a 1-0 up today I was 
sitting there quite confident, to be honest with you, Colin. Line-up, the rotation is good, it's working. Injuries are getting managed. Um, Tom Lawrence has broke down twice since he's come back under that bad injury under Gio. He's been flung in and he was playing like 90 minutes ago. And he was just picking up injuries after that. Come on, it's managing this team so well. Chris, that is um, something that we will maybe get frustrated with the longer the season goes on when certain players who are hitting form, a la Tom Lawrence, where he plays a blinder midweek, but then he's no in the starting lineup for the for the weekend. As the, as the title race goes on, we're challenging for more and more trophies. That is going to get frustrating, but I think we need to lay our cards on the tables right now with our injury record. It makes sense to rotate where we can. I, without a doubt, I think um, Clement has said that about the injuries. Um, you know, if he, he came in around the amount of people that were injured, the amount that they were picking up, um, the frustrations around it. So he's, he's obviously trying to use the squad the best that he can. But I quite like about what he does. He tends to pick players for certain games as well. So it's not just a sort of random rotation if you like I think he's well in advance and what he's what he's trying to do with it I think he's got the next I know he says one game at a time but I think he's got the next sort of two or three planned in his head in terms of what I would look like so um, I I mean you know you've got to trust that that process he's earned that already I think for he's, he's came in um, you know that he's going to put that in place so I I think you're getting a, a run of games for a player but when you're talking just as Scott was touching on there with Tom Lawrence how frustrating is it with you know, with, with that runner forming any dips out because he's burnt out. So, no, I fully trust the, the manager we are, and it's quite hard not to trust him at the minute, given the runner results he's had since he's come in and the amount of players he's used. Well, on the on the first half an hour before they go, um, I've I've not watched it back yet, so I need to be honest with the listeners and say this is just you know real opinion. I was feeling a bit nervous, a bit nervy, and I'll be honest, I do have a lot of scar tissue watching Rangers the last uh, few years, and uh, until this team consistently get it over the line, I'm going to question their mentality. Um, was the first 30-odd minutes as nervy as what I felt, or was that just my nerves creeping in? I don't know, I've always been... It's weird, I'm actually worse actually watching the games than I'm at them. Like, I'm usually fine at the games, I'm quite calm. Um, I think today when you look at the game, it's obviously hard to see how bad the pitch is. The players spoke about it, the manager spoke about it. Maybe sometimes at the games as well, you don't notice how poor the pitch is. Um, and sometimes you just need to settle into games away from home. Maybe you start to win that battle slowly but surely and kind of you know start to get a bit of control in the game. I think the big thing for me at the moment is, and it's weird to say it because probably not that long ago I wouldn't, but we just seem to have like the right mentality at the moment to get through games, whether we're maybe playing well or we're not. Like against Ross County, I don't think I've ever seen us have as many shots in my life in one particular game. Um, and today, the first half hour was just a bit slow. But yet again, you know, you come away with a 3 0 victory away from home at this stage of the season and you're absolutely delighted. So it's maybe one of those ones that one maybe not always going to play well for 90 minutes, but. You know, today we did more than enough to win the game. And, you know, if Big Dessler says he's shooting boots on, then it could have maybe been a couple more. And I just think, like, so before today's game, if somebody said to you, you know, where Rangers are going to win 3 0 away from home, we would have all been delighted with it. So I always kind of look at the overall 
kind of package come the end of the game. And overall, I was just delighted that we won the game so comfortably, in all honesty. Aye, and let's get into the, the goals and a few of the talking points. And Scott, I've got to start with you. Um, I've seen Diomande in the rough, um, shine bright like a Diomande. Uh, Diomande's are forever. All of the fucking shite puns you can think of, but I do think they are justified. He's probably my man in the match today. Um, an absolute screamer. Yeah, goal today. Aye, he's weak fit. I look forward to seeing No, 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 I'm going to stop you there. He doesn't have a weak fit. He's perfect. <laughs> Uh, I look forward to seeing what he can do with his outfit. Um, aye, he's come in with some just for odd cameos and stuff like that, and he's been a bit steady, but he's announced he sells a Rangers player, isn't he? Um, come in, he's everything that we were hoping Safuentes was going to be in my eyes, isn't he? He's, he's come in, he's, he's been box to box, he's see for, I mean, he's a bit lanky, he's not really getting much to him, but He's guy, he's got a good bit of physicality about him, and always he's, he's not scared to get torn in among it. So I, I think we've got a player Mahon's calling. To be honest with you, it's it's funny how I'm going to give credit to manager on us because it's funny how him and Cortez have come in and they've got the experience of British football, but they come in and they've they look as if they've been playing for in British football for years. Do you know what I mean? That's good man management to me. I don't know what Comont's done, but he's set all these boys in as if they've been here as part of the party furniture. I think that's been a comment from him like so often, and 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 I know you only you see bits and bobs in the camera, but see when you see the players walk off the park and it's like you know a, 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 a twenty minute debrief that pretty much given each player, you can tell invest so much in managing the players as well as the team. Um, Chris, midfield has been been a big worry over the last 18 months but it's really turning into one of our, our strongest points. John Lundstrom the re-emergency Mr Thursday night and <laughs> we've got the likes of Lawrence um, he's, that's a beautiful partnership they two, um, Campwell in front of him, Ryan Jack is doing his bit as and when he is playing, Dio Mandy in the mix now, it's turned for a problem area and a, something we can really look forward to between now and the end of the season I without a doubt, I think I touched on it when I was on a couple of weeks ago that I, I feel Diamande is the type of signing that we should be making in terms of you know that sort of target market if you like bring him in for three four million, um, let him obviously do his stuff and then try and make a, a good healthy profit off him after getting us into like say Champions League. So I mean his first touch, the wee roll of the ball, and he, um, he's he's fit before he, he strikes it today. It was it was class and. I think um, he's going to be a cracker. I actually touched on it just in fact that we're talking about it like before we come on on the, the, the chatter in the January transfer window. And and a lot of people actually felt whoever came out that stronger or who, you know, made stronger moves within that window probably would have had the favourite for the for the title. And I think that's sort of looking the case early doors anyway, with us going tap with with him actually scoring and playing a part in it, the day a big part in it. So so I I think the midfield's looking sharp. Scott was talking about the fifty five um sort of league uh title win and the midfield was brilliant that year if you remember whatever whatever sort of partnership there was in there. It was just it flowed so well. And I going back to Lundstrom, um Lundstrom's been uh, the enforcer for Clermont and he's he's been a, a massive a massive change um, in Lundstrom since then. Um, and he's not played a Thursday night yet, so um, I'm looking forward to seeing what it looks like when that comes back in. But 
Ah, it's midfield's quite settled. Um, and I think if Diamandi can add some goals to, to the game as what he's done the day, um, then we've got an absolute cracker there because the other stuff that he does, the work after the ball is very evident, I think, and, and you've seen that today. So just settled in. I always find that dead impressive when you know younger players come over here and settle in quite quickly. How many times have we seen them taking ages? You know what I mean? So for me, it's, it's a great start for him and he could be a massive signing between now and the end of the season. I mean, it is fair to call out that's his first start and as Rangers fans, we are very guilty of writing somebody off or just deciding somebody is going to win the Ballon d'Or after one game. Um, so, But long may it continue, I have seen enough for Diomande and his, his sub-appearances as well to find there is a player there. Let's just hope he can do it consistently. But if no, you know, well, as I mentioned, there's, there is competition in that midfield. Um, we've seen Diomande play further deep. Um, I think he's suited to that more than the the number 10 position. I think that's where we should be seeing the likes of Campwell or Lawrence. But on that position, what was your thoughts on Campwell today? Um, I, I, I don't get a poor game, but it's probably one of his quieter, quieter games. Yeah, well, he's been playing really well recently. You know, and all these people that love statistics will obviously show that as well, the goals and assists. I guess it'd be Campbell when you get him on the ball in dangerous areas. He's the one guy that can do something with the ball. Um, but also having Lawrence back now has been, been great as well. I think that pushes the manager as well. Because Campbell's not hitting that level. You just turn to the bench and you've got something like Lawrence sitting there. It's a no-brainer. Um, I'd say today I was really impressed with Diamandi. I was lucky enough, I spoke to uh, Cameron Campbell just before he left the club and he obviously had worked with him um, at the right to dream and he sent me a kind of short reply just saying, this kid's got everything and you know it's, it's probably different when a supporter says something, when you talk to like, a guy that's coached a player and he's talking about this, this was like a couple of years ago before he kind of fully developed into the kind of you know, player he is at Norgeland and now at Rangers and he just looks as though he's a quality young player that's just going to improve. And I've got no doubt that Norgeland's probably got a sell-on clause in there with this deal as well because they'll know the quality this kid has. Um, and I think this is just exactly the type of player that we need to be signing. Um, and it's and it's exciting, you know, when you look at the team now. I know we all want Silva to bang in goals and Dessler to bang in goals, but you look at the rest of the team now and they're all... You know, like doing a little bit more, whether that is can't well, whether it's Lawrence with shots for distance, um, you know, whether it's Tavernier because that's that's just what Tav does basically. Um, I guess like there's a lot of excitement now around the team, and it's not just because we're top of the league, I think that's actually just a small part of it. It's the fact since the managers come in, everybody can see what the, how we can say it, how we're trying to play, how we're trying to structure. Like the game for 90 minutes, you can see what the manager's implemented, and I think there's just like a confidence there amongst the players. Clearly, there's a lot of tough games still to go. You know, there's no point in saying that the league's over when you're top with two points with 12 games to go, but I can see why there's a lot of excitement around Diamandi. And I think with Cortez, we've certainly seen enough so far to suggest that once he's up to a level in terms of maybe like his fitness, and once he gets used to our style of play and how the manager wants him to play as well. I think they're two very, very good additions to the squad ahead of next season and hopefully, you know, that we continue to add those type of players because 
Let's be honest, but see, supporters, you want to be excited when you watch players play. And I think the Diamandé and Cortez were certainly going to see that potentially for a couple of years. And and if after those couple of years somebody offers us a huge amount of money for those players to move on, then that's part of the gig, isn't it, now at Rangers? We have to accept that these guys are only going to be here for four, five, six years. It is probably like a two-year deal where if they do well for those two years, Rangers are successful, then you know they move on and you know, we're compensated with a good amount of money. Uh, you want players to follow the Calvin Bassey model as opposed to the Ryan Kent model. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Um, Calvin Bassey is the ultimate example of what we are trying to do. Sit by low, get a couple of... A couple. There was one excellent season for Calvin Bassey and then we sold him on for millions. I mean, if if we get one signing like that every couple of years, then we're, we're laughing, I think. Yeah, look, of course... And see, at the end of the day, when you've also got academy players going through, like um, sort of Ross McCausland or a Bailey Rice and other players, like, these guys are also value. You know, because at the end of the day, if Ross is a good 18 months, a good 24 months at Rangers, it's not to say that Ross will want to go, but it might turn into an offer where Rangers are getting offered three, four, five million pounds for Ross. And so that's a value that wasn't there at the start of the season that the managers managed to get out of a player in the academy whose contract was running out at the end of the season, who probably felt his time was probably coming to an end at Rangers, just given his age. So the managers did a lot of good. It's not just about um, sort of where we are in the league table. There's been like, I, I think it was you that touched on the Lundstrom one. I mean, like Lundstrom's come out of nowhere, because Lundstrom, I think most people six months ago were saying, that's fine, his contract's done in the summer. He's like, you know, he'll move on, we'll replace him. Now everybody's kind of worried that he's going to leave in the summer. And and that's all down to the manager as well, who's managed to just get the best out of so many players so far. And that's probably the biggest thing for me. And if he can continue that, I think we're only going to get stronger. Scott, moving further up the the pitch, um, Cortez, he, he done okay today. He was, you know, lively enough and as well, well he suggested it's... I think we're going to see enough. Of, we've seen enough of him to show what he can do. The question will just be like anywhere here consistently. On the other side, but um, the enigma that is uh, Scott Wright, um, I was a bit surprised. I think McCausland one was a bit hard done by, you know, getting a start today. Um, and I get that we need to manage minutes for everybody and everybody has to be ready. But... I thought McCausland, it would have been more McCausland's game today. Um, Scott Wright didn't do much to impress me. And I do like to try and back him because I think um, I think there is bits where he can, there is bits of his game where he can be useful over a season, but he's no, he's no gave me any justice at all today. Aye, definitely, definitely. It comes to Ross McCausland, you know, I'm, I'll always back up Ross McCausland because he's a youth product and I want youth to get a chance. And I think he'd be man's made the right mid jersey he's in we've not the right midfielder and god knows how long he's come in took a bat and then ran with it as far as i'm concerned fans seem to be frustrated that he's not getting any numbers numbers don't numbers on the island because we're winning football matches at the end of the day so i think we need a support of youth that comes through instead of constantly getting on their back um, and that's only a small section of support in terms of scott wright scott wright's finished for me at rangers i don't see Never offered anything today. There's, there's been like when Clement first came in, he, he gave right a run of games, and you started to kind of see glimpses of what he can do. But like I say, he's he's had 106 appearances now, and there's only a handful of 
times that you can really say that he's really arrived in a Rangers jersey. I think he's only stayed this season because we needed him for the homegrown rule in Europe. Um, I think he will move on in the summer. In between now and the end of the season, I would love to see Zach Lovelace challenge McCausland for the right wing jersey since Lovelace is back in training and stuff like that now. Um, I know Lovelace is out of contract at the end of the season, so I think he's he's somebody that we need to be trying to keep at the club for uh, for talking to you. I think he could really, really run McCausland close. And youth players play with no fear. I think when, when McCausland came out and played it, Left wing, I, I genuinely think it was a pitch that is the reason that our, our wingers didn't really get involved in the game today. I think that's why we put Dujon Sterling on it right mid, who was far more effective because he wasn't really doing much ball carrying and things like that. It was maybe a presence in the box. Can't well floated one over at like the beginning of the second half and he's about three yards out and he just couldn't, couldn't finish it. He went on and won as a penalty. I mean, it's just class management for Philippe Clement that he's seen that Dujon Sterling, that centre-back, right wing-back, left-back, left centre-mid, that's both wings he's played on now. And he's he's having an effect on the game. I mean, if if a, if a right-back can come in and have maybe an effect on the game, then what's Scott Wright have, then there's something wrong here. It means he's not good enough. Do you know what I mean? So, for me, I would be going with Lovelace and McCausland at the end of the season, but again, Dujon Bassey's not done his sell any hair today. Just on Lovelace, I was at the women's game today, and I'm seeing you boys beforehand, um, and he was sitting behind me. Um, he was there with his family, and I, kn- I knew he was a big boy if you watch him on the telly, but Jesus Christ, I felt like such a wee guy. I felt like the wee boy that I am compared to this 17-year-old. It's a fucking unit. Um, <laughs> starting with Dujon Sterling then, Chris, um, if if I could sum him up, um, like in in a two second clip, it's for Burn- if MD seen Burniston, um, that that guy with the odd jobs is, and it's just an advert. I'll do it. I don't give a fuck. I'll do it. Um, somebody in the comments said, "Come on, ask Dujon Sterling what's his position." He just replied, "Yes, um, he's." As good, it's great to have a player like a utility player. Um, and he's contrib- he's not just filling in here, he is contributing. I mean, he he led to winning that penalty, and it wasn't just you know by chance, he pressed the full back, he'd go into mm-hmm. the box and led to the second goal. I unbelievable, and I think I always go back to the um performance away in Betis as well, like it was just superb, I think. Um, and the, the fin that. The bit to get the penalty was was unbelievable. I can't believe actually that they never gave it. To be honest, like it was ridiculous that he was standing right in front of it, staring at it, and had to go to VAR. But um, it was uh, it was brilliant. He's just got so much energy. Um, I don't quite think that the opposition um, players know what to do against him when he's making them big strides. Probably hasn't he found his position. I mean, I know when he was obviously going through the ranks, he played either sort of side or fullback, which was one of the reasons that he came in. He obviously offered that support, but um, I get you get the feeling that, I think somebody joked actually, that I think it was about you, Scott, on the first podcast, uh, podcast that I came back into, um, that were a few injuries away for him playing up front at one point. Um, and I think he'd probably do a job, do you know what I mean? I think he's... He's a uh, he's got special ability, and again, come back to the age thing. He's just a young boy still, you know. He's just, um, but I under Clement has really, really excelled. Um, but either the the run for the 
Um, the penalty was brilliant, and that's that's when I started to calm down. Colin, you were talking about talking about um, anxiety. That's when I started to calm down when that penalty was awarded and we converted it. But I uh, really exciting young talent we've got on our hands with him. I think my worry with this kiss would be what happened to Ross McCrory. Um and I'm not, I'm not comparing them in levels of, of talent, but I think at the time Ross McCrory was good enough to start for Rangers in a couple of different positions, um, right back, centre back, midfielder. He could probably grow into one of the three positions, but instead he was used as a utility player and he done well in each position, so mm. he never really nailed it and done. I think Dujon Sterling's good enough to hold a position, so I hope he doesn't fall into that trap. I know, I get you. I get you with that. I wonder if it's maybe in the thinking, I know he's obviously still the, the main man and obviously 120 goals for, for Rangers to have today, but... I wonder if the long-term vision for him was to obviously replace Tav, because if you remember, Tav got that um, injury um, not that long ago, so, um, you know, and was out for quite a bit, so I just wonder if if uh, that's that was the vision, but no, I get what you mean, that kind of potentially playing everywhere and no mastering any of them sort of thing um, is, is always a risk, but it does strike me as the type of boy that will just go on and give you, give you 100% anywhere, and as we're touching on just now, that's what Clement's after just now. It's the full squad effect. That's one of the reasons keeping it so fresh and everybody connected and happy. Because again, you've got you've got boys like him coming on and essentially winning you the game. So, Willie, we're going to come to a special James Tavernier section, and as always, this will divide opinion and cause riots in the comments. Um, I've already seen a couple of folk. Um, Friend of the pod, Curry, um, with his weekly Tavish shite um, comment. <laughs> uh, he's consistent. Um, I'll, I'll give him that. But he stepped up with, with two big penalties. Um, and for anybody saying, aye, any footballer should be able to stroll for 12 yards, well, we know, know every footballer does. It takes yeah. bottle, um, it takes nerve, two excellent penalties, and I actually thought he had a decent game out with that. Yeah, look, I mean, Tav's just one of those guys for that first time that he scored that free kick against Hibs in the Challenge Cup under Warburton, I think it was. Or It's like, football is all about opinions. Like, the reality is, like, you'll never ever change how people think of a particular player or, or their, you know, see me like when I watch Tav, yeah, look, Tav's got his negatives. You know, Tav has parts of his game that he should be better at. But, the reality is, what he gives us going forward is just ridiculous, in all honesty. Um, and not just the penalties. People talk online a lot about, oh, he scored a lot of penalties, I know, but at the end of the day, he's one of the best penalty takers we've had at the football club. So why would you not want him to take them? And what if somebody else was to step up and take those and miss them? You know, so at the end of the day, like, you need somebody to take penalties when you win them. But it's, it's his all-round play, the way that he drives into the centre of the pitch, the way that he gets his forward. Even late in games with Tav, he's still busting 50, 60 yards up the pitch. and I just think he's going to get down in the Rangers Hall of Fame for what he's done in Tavernier. And it would be lovely for him as well that if he was hopefully won another few league titles to go under it as well. Because for me... He's he's played in some pretty average Rangers teams and still still put up some pretty crazy numbers. Um, people talk about like leadership and character. 
you look at like the two goals he scored at Parkhead, you know, like the free kicks. Um, it's just like the guy's done everything that he could do for Rangers in his time, and he costs us a couple of hundred thousand pounds. It's not like he owes us anything after all this time. And people talk about yet again the whole captaincy thing. Well, like he leads on the pitch. Do you know that's what he does every single game? And then you've got Goldson as well, who's been taking a bit of flack recently. And yeah, like he's been slightly off kilter at times, but he's probably still the best centre back we've got at the club. And yeah, like things will change in the next couple of years. I'm sure we will, you know, gradually see a couple of, you know, like new signings coming in. And Tav isn't getting any younger. So maybe Sterling in in twelve months' time, eighteen months' time starts to starts to play a little bit more as well. So I think we should really enjoy James Tavernier for what he is and right. for what he's done. And see if he finishes up as one of Rangers' top ever goal scorers. That's just literally obscene for a fullback. And yeah, look, I've I've always been a fan of Tavs. I've never hidden that fact. There's a guy that sits like three rows behind me in the enclosure who I've had a few arguments with in my time. He, he'll probably recognise my face on this podcast if he watches it because he, he's just one of those guys that constantly shouts at Tav for everything. Even when he scores, like he'll complain about Tav, and it's just like I don't really know what else Tavernier could do to like to change that, um, other than maybe just one more league titles. I mean, if you look at his stats, they're just ridiculous. And I'm not a huge stats guy, but anybody that can be basically like a one in four guy in terms of either goals or assists in his whole Rangers career, or one in two, I think it might be in some cases in terms of you know, what the percentages of it, that's truly ridiculous. If a striker had those numbers, you would be thrilled. The guy's a right back. <laughs> like, he shouldn't be in some of the positions that he ends up in. He just, I don't know what more I can say about him. I just think he's been a he's been an unbelievable signing for what we paid for him. I think he's been a very good captain. The fact that we've had, I don't know, four or five managers during Tav's time here and every single one of them has stuck with him as captain. So that would probably suggest that he's a well-liked person in the dressing room. He's a well-respected person in the dressing room. He leads by example in training. And he clearly does it in the pitch. But yeah, again, I do respect the fact people have got a different opinion. And that's that's absolutely fine. You don't have to agree with it, and neither of they are. But that's that's just the world of football. I'm sure there's still people today that will moan about us winning three and all the way from home against St. Johnston to go top of the league. I'm sure if you search Twitter tonight, there'll be stuff there that's just, I'll, I'll be like, I don't understand how you could complain about that, but that's but that's the nature of football and that's why we love it. Scott, on the, while we're on the TAF stats, um, Sean has just shared there that a thousand goals have been scored um, during his Rangers career and he's been involved in 247 of them. Um, that's it's unbelievable, but you've got a couple of other um, Tavernier fun facts just to you know, keep the, the tab loving going. Aye, well, that was his uh, 120th goal for Rangers today, and he's went equal with, with John Gregg for scoring defenders. Um, Johnny McFarlane on Twitter had put that up earlier on. That's, that's just an amazing start. I mean, the guy, see, he put, put James Tavernier into context, it cost 250 grand with Martin Wycombe and his championship season, and he's constantly churned out numbers. He's been on several hidings. For Celtic in his time here, he's still bounced back. He's come under constant criticism for fans. I've probably been one of his biggest, biggest critics in the park, especially um, at the beginning of the season when things weren't really going my way. 
I've questioned his captaincy and his leadership and he's he shut me up. I mean, he's come back. There was still folk complaining about him on Wednesday night and he got three assists. I can't I fathom see us as a support, but we're actually watching sometimes because he's he's just a fantastic player. And Connor Goldson in the League Cup final summed it up right when he says, we're not going to appreciate him until he's away because when, he, when he's away, you're going to expect... I mean, I'm thinking like the tail end of the season if... Tav was to was to leave. Apparently he's got a contract off of the Saudi. Rumours, but whether it's true or no, I don't know. And he says he's looking at it in the summer. So if he leaves in the summer, you're looking at me for me, I would be looking at like uh, Adam Devines. He's got a goal and an assist at Motherwell already. Um then you would probably get do John Sterling the position as well. So you'd expect they two to fight it out. But you're not going to get half of what Tav gives you in terms of stats, scoring goals. Um, encouraging a team leadership I think a lot of his leadership's done behind closed doors he's a type of captain that kind of reminds me of Stephen Davis a bit where he leads by example he's not a Barry Ferguson type where he's going to yeah. shout at everybody and uh, berate them during the match he's, he seems to be right well we're 2-0 we're doing it Celtic at Park Kid. I'm going to go and score and get his back into the game that's what he does like, David Martindale says Tav does what Tav does mm. Yeah, look, it shows that he's mentally strong, though. 100%. 100%. You see, for him to come through everything that he's had to deal with as a Rangers captain, especially the fact that Celtic went on that huge run and won everything for, like, three or four seasons. Mm-hmm. For some Rangers captains, that would have been enough. Like, I'm sure Tavs had offers to go elsewhere at some time, and he could have easily packed his bags of men and, and probably earned more money as well. But the fact he stayed, and he's been part of a team that's made it to, like, you know, like a European final, that's won every trophy in Scotland during this time. Some of the goals he scored, some of the things he's done. I don't think people talk about like the strong mentality that players have these. I mean, I even watched Dessers, right? See for the amount of chances Dessers misses, he should really get really annoyed with himself, but it doesn't seem to bother him. <laughs> he just seems to like sort of tick on to the next chance and he'll miss it again and then it, he, he gets like it's hard to explain, but some players obviously just have this unbelievable mental strength and regardless of what you say about them or criticise them or whatever he just keeps coming back and to me that's just an unbelievable trait to have as a footballer and Tav has that in abundance mm-hmm. it's it's actually crazy what he's been through as a Rangers captain some of the stuff that he's been through and it's, but let's be honest it most other Rangers captains in the previous like 20 years had been uplifting trophies you know, Tav came in as a Rangers captain at a time where we were basically in the championship and we were trying to get promotion to the Premier League. He then comes into a team that was getting dismantled most games against Celtic. You know? So for him to keep going and keep going and keep going, like to me, I just think that's an incredible thing because for a lot of other players, they would have just jacked it and went elsewhere. Chris? Willie's mentioned Dessers there, and that takes me on to the the next talking point. Um, the you know if we if the the highest praise we've got to give in this podcast tonight is James Tavernier for you know coming through the battle scars and and you know leading this charge to fifty six. Um, I don't want to say criticised because it's got to be a fairly positive podcast. Um, the strikers today, um, Silva and Dessers, um, 
uh, where do you sit in this? Um, I, I'm, I still see what both bring, although both will be inconsistent in what they bring. Um, I don't think yeah, I've I've seen I've, I've seen a lot of summaries of both them today saying that uh, Silva wasn't in the game at all. Uh, he's not a number nine. I wouldn't say he wasn't in the game at all. Dessels, he's he hopeless. I think he was unlucky with one of his chances. What was your thoughts on our cycles? I think, um, aye, I think obviously the strikers will come on in a second, but just to touch on Tav, just to add a bit of weight to what people were saying as well, like it's the big moments for me with Tav, um, you know, that they're, they're countless, that are there, um, when the chips are down, you know, the league run, you know, the penalty still need to be converted, that second penalty today um, was brilliant, you know, that's a pressure pen when you've already scored a pen um, to go on and hit the next one. Um, and there's nobody taking that ball off him, if we're going to be honest, but to go on and hit the next one. And then if we would have got another one, he would have scored it as well, you know. So, aye, the big moments for me with Tav shows the, the leadership. And I have questioned a lot of the things in, in the past, the lack of trophies and stuff. But certainly when you look at the teams that are, uh, sort of the players that have been running about him, as, as Willie was saying there, um, there's more than just reasons for, for Tav's leadership as to why we've not um, won those trophies. But I just thought I would touch on that because he's... Um, Ah, he's countless um, massive moments for us that will live with me forever. But oh, I own the strikers. Again, I felt that um, we should have brought another striker in, Shankland or whoever, but I felt we should have done that in January. It's the only thing I came away from when the window closed. I thought, mm, I don't actually know if we're... Um, if that is going to bite us in the end, um, obviously, if, if people are, have got injuries and stuff. I like Dessels, you know, as a... I like he's just as well as we saying, I like his attitude. Um, I think he's got a bit of bite about him, a bit of needle. I think I seen him having a pop at Matondo last week. Um, and Matondo, I think, uh, chinned him for my past at him and he had a pop back. Um, he's got, a, uh, he's got, um, you know, his mentality is probably better than his ability, actually. Um, but today he's he getting himself through um, and going. You're thinking, what I was thinking was just fucking hit the shot, you know, just just pull the trigger, like it's 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 there for you. Just slot it to the right, slot it to the left, um, and it just takes that extra second or two, and then he's 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 no one. Silver for me, um, I like the look of him, very bright, um, very um, sharp. I liked him when he closed it, closed the ball down. He got got in front of the um, defender, chased the ball back. He works hard, works very very hard. Um, obviously, I want to see goals, but as as I said in the last time, what Clement's doing quite skillfully actually is he's getting goals from other parts of the pitch. So there isn't an over reliance on, for example, Shankland at Hearts. Um, Shankland's goal return at Hearts. I was just reading about that before I come on. Um, Hearts being you know the the second best informed team in Europe, actually twenty eight points out of thirty. Um, but Shankland is is. Unbelievable in terms of, you know, but they, they need him. So if Shanklin comes away from them, then what happens? So we we're actually not got our reliance on that. So I'm I'm content with the the striker situation, but I just hope it doesn't in a month or so when the games get heavier and quicker, um, come back to to bite us. But again, both players, I, I actually don't I don't mind this as I'm not in the camp where everybody slaughtering the big guy. I think he could have had about five or six goals the other night. Um, but I I think he'll come up with a moment or two. The big man. Um, as we as we go into the running, Scott, I seen somebody tweet midweek um, that Cyril Dessers is the the best shite player on earth, and I totally get what you mean. Like sometimes you're watching, you're like, you're, you're not a footballer, then it just pops up with the two goals um, midweek as well. 
I, I made the point a few weeks ago where he, he scored, um, I can't mind who it was James, but it was that lovely like um, reverse reverse Hibs. shot. And it, was it Hibs? And when it happens that regularly, it's not luck. <laughs> luck is something come off your arse and it pops in every now and then. His numbers speak for itself in terms of assists and, and goals. Um, I do think he has to be more composed, absolutely. He has to do it more regularly. But as Chris says, the big man can absolutely add value between now and the end of the season. I definitely. He's going to be a, he's going to be a contributor, but he's still not my main number nine. Um, I think when Abdallah Seema comes back, he's potentially going to get a run through middles. I think the long-term injuries, Seema's probably due back first. Um, and I hope he's back sooner rather than later because we're going to need his ability for the running. In terms of Dessers throughout the middle, oh God, it just reminds me of Kenny Miller. Give him time, he's going to miss. Give him something not to think about, he'll score a world day. I, think there's, I don't think there's a middle ground to a big man. But he is doing better, he's running the channels, he's affecting play. He's winning wee knock-ons now that he wasn't doing at the beginning of the season. Um, there's a big outlay on this boy that he's still got to justify for me. He's contributing, yes, but I mean, see some of them chances against Ross County on night. Like, the one he, he puts the keeper down like three times and manages to hit a post, you're just like, just put your laces through it and stick into everything. It's on. Stop trying to be, stop trying to score a spectacular goal all the time. It's as if he's trying to walk the ball into a net most of the time instead of just hammering it. Um, and I don't. I was Chris will tell you I was never ever good at football, so I can't sit and tell somebody how to how to uh, how to kick a ball. But for the outside looking in, there just looks to me as if there's a bit of don't know lack of composure, definite improvement. Um, but come summer, I would probably still take Shankland over him to be brutally honest, or a player of that ilk. Maybe you could maybe get the best out of him in a two. Big Scott McPike says that to me a few times, Colin, that he would like to see him in a two with like Danilo or Silva, something along them lines. I think he's going to be really good in Europe. I think the best part about Dessers is if we come up against like better quality opposition on a counter-attack, a, a, a guy can pick a pass. We've seen it in the past for Matondo or Ibrooks. So there's a, lot of, there's a lot of good things there, but there's also a lot of things that still still get right in my tits, to be really honest with you. Well, Ian, on Fabio Silva, um, the biggest criticism I've heard for him, and you'll you hear it yourself, that he's not number nine. Ah, he's good. He's he's got good vision, movement, good touching the ball, but he's not number nine. But back to, I, I think the point we made through the, the show tonight that Clement isn't relying on strikers for for goals. So it, in that basis alone, for this Rangers side, then ah, he is a number nine. Um, I kind of not a group people into. <laughs> one category here, but the, the types of folk are saying, oh, he's no number nine, number nine gets you 30 goals a season. These are the kind of guys that will want their full backs to defend, first of all. They want everybody playing 4 4 2 with a big guy, wee guy up front. But the thing is, listen, I know every number nine scores loads of goals, though. That's like, like the way that football is now, it's not just about a number nine that will score 25 goals and then the rest of the team can't score. I mean, I look at somebody like Kilmarnock when we've played him. They usually play the big guy Vassell up front. He's never been known for scoring a lot of goals. But what they've got round about him is a lot of players that will add goals 
And they've obviously had the guys like Van Veen, they've had the guys like Greg Stewart. So there's other players in the team that will that will provide, you know, the goals. Like to me, when I watch Dessers, right, I don't think we will lose money on Dessers coming the summer if we decide to sell them because I still think there's enough teams out there that will look at Dessers and think he'll give us twelve or fifteen goals and that's what we need. And I think the thing that annoys you with Thurlow, I mean, I was lucky enough to be in Betis that night when he scored that goal. And I think about half the guys up in the top tier of the stand didn't know whether to enjoy the moment or were in total shock because like nobody could have foreseen that he was going to do that. Do you know what I mean? Like when he did the run and then he absolutely dummied the... F- I mean, like, if you look at that Betis back line, I think like every one of those guys was internationals. The big man sent them off for a turn and then he rolls it between the goalkeeper's legs and you're just like... That was Cyril Dessers that did that. Like, because before that, I think everybody was about to choke him because of the amount of times that he'd miscontrolled it and it ran out of the pitch. And he's just one of those frustrating guys that he is the sort of guy, and it reminds me a wee bit about Lafferty, he's the sort of guy that'll end up scoring a league winning goal. Dessers. And it'll be it'll be an unbelievable one they'll win and he'll score, he'll beat like two players and ping it in the top bin. Because that's just the kind of player he is, he seems to be either sky high or rock bottom, like there doesn't seem to be a happy medium with Cyril when you watch him, with Fabio I just don't see him as a nine I don't think he's a guy that leads the line I think he's better playing in between the centre backs and the full backs where he makes the runs and like drags players out of position and it allows like Cantwell more space, it allows like Lawrence more space, Cotterland uh, Cortez, these kind of players will find more space with Fabio Silva on the pitch because of the runs that he makes. Um, and it's interesting come the summer because when you look at the goals we actually already have in the team out with the striking positions, if the manager can somehow find somebody that will give us 25 goals a season, that should tip us way over the edge in terms of what we already get from the rest of the players in the team. And when you look at like Diamandis goal today from outside the box. You look at the amount of shots that Lawrence is now hitting from outside the box. That's always been a huge criticism amongst the Rangers support that we try to pass the ball into the back of the net. So like it's all the wee things that are kind of coming together on that. And whether we won the league title or not this season I do believe that we're on the right path and I think what the manager's done this month and what the recruitment's been this month, if we can get that right again in the summer and if we are fortunate enough to win the league title and then you've got that Champions League money, we should only get stronger. That should be the idea, that we should only get stronger. But as we've seen what happened to Celtic last season, when when you recruit poorly or maybe you don't recruit the type of player that you need, it's amazing how quickly things can go the other way. And that's probably a criticism that we deserve after winning the league title under Gerrard, that we didn't you know, go into the market and add two or three extra quality players that would have took us over the edge. Instead, we went the other way and, well, obviously you've seen what's happened. We've had to end up sacking a couple of managers since then and, you know, we're on to big foul now as a manager. So, football's tough, but you just need to consistently keep ticking over. See, me like Shanklin's, like, kind of up there for me. I think when I did the pod with... With Scott, we kind of spoke afterwards. I like Shankland. I just wouldn't overpay for him. I'm just of the opinion that if it gets to the summer and he's got a year left, 
<clears throat> I think one and a half, two million pounds should be Rangers maximum. And that's because of his age. I don't think you're going to have a huge resale value on Shankland if you do sign him. So I don't think we should be overpaying for him. But I also accept that if Shankland wants to run down his contract and he wants to get the best contract, that probably won't be at Rangers because there will be teams in England that will give Shankland a lot more money than what Rangers would in terms of his wages, his signing on fee and all that stuff. And that's something, yet again, we need to accept. And it's true, I'm sure you'll probably want to come in on the Shankland point, but for, for Matt, for my end, I absolutely echo what Willie says. I think he's a good addition at the right price, but for me, he's not got to play every week. Um, I think he's we need a penalty box striker, we need somebody like him as an option, but Rangers do need different types of strikers. Um, I think Jankley would score goals, um, but I always remember back to when we had Chris Boyd, Kenny Miller started the, the big games, Chris Boyd came on to take out the bins, um, the routine wins. Um, I don't think we can pay the money that Hearts would want, and well, he's right, I think he gets more money and more game time than South. I mean, see, one of the things I would say quickly, right, and this isn't a disrespect to Shankland, but I do think that Miofsky's a better all-round player. And I think Aberdeen will get silly money for Miofsky in the summer. Aye. Eight I million. Think they, yeah, I think they could get like six, seven or eight million pounds for Miofsky. I do think that he's a better all-round striker. See, I don't watch a lot of Aberdeen games. It's only when they play against us. But see, whenever I watch Miofsky, I just think that kid's going to be a really, really good striker. And then it's just a shame yet again that maybe we weren't able to recruit him at the time before Aberdeen did because see the chances that we create and and the quality of player we have in the final third, I think Miofsky would score more goals in Shankland. That's just my opinion. That isn't a criticism of Shankland. I just think that Miofsky would, would suit our style more than what Shankland would. And I think because of Miofsky's age, that yet again would almost like kind of reinvest the money in two or three years' things. if he took you to a championship, if he was good enough to help you maybe win a Champions League game or two in this new, you know, bigger <laughs> format, then his value increases again. I don't think with Shankland, his value is going to increase any more than what it is this summer. And I think this is Hart's best chance to get money for him, because if not, and I'm Laurie Shankland, I'm running down my contract, because at that point, I know I'm going to get 30, 40, 50 grand a week for somebody. And that's just how it is, because Shankland's got to think about what's happening come the end of his career, because this is the big moment in his career in terms of his payday. I would say the same about Miofsky. I would say he's better, definitely better than Shankland, better value, but he's going to go for a fair amount of money in the summer, and I don't think Aberdeen will be too keen to sell him to us if, he's got, if they've got other options, you know, but uh, Miofsky's, a, Miofsky's a cracker, um, but he's going to go for a fair, a fair amount in the summer with the range, I would imagine. I definitely am going to come in on Shankland and give you my pitch. So, <laughs> it's called, it's, it's like Dragon's Den here. I'm ready. Aye. So, somebody said he scored goals in Europe, right? In the comments already, he scored against Rosenberg mm-hmm. for who are only a bad team for Hearts and the Europa Conference League qualifiers. He scored against Celtic home and away, he scored against Rangers home and away. So, he's done it. So, immediately for a, for a domestic perspective, he ticks all the boxes for, say, a late great Walter Smith who's still in charge. Shankland would be playing for Rangers because he's one of the outstanding players in the league. He's a Rangers supporter. He's got a Scottish contingent in him too. Walter loved his kind of his homegrown players, so to speak. Um, 
I think Shankland would rather come to us than waiting a big payday down south. That's just me, my opinion. Um, I think Carts were ready to do business in January, but I think the problem is that Rangers aren't interested, to be brutally honest with you. I heard that Rangers were interested through a few people, but they didn't ask a question, didn't even contact Hearts to register an interest. So there's that. And there's also the fact that we've brought in Silver. Mm. We look, to, uh, from a transfer point of view, we look as if we're shopping in different markets now. So I think the time's been and gone for Shankland. Unless he was in a free contract this summer, I don't think he's going to come. Because Rangers are the Rangers are going to pay a fee for him. To be brutally honest with you, but then we've also got the problem is we've also got a lot of guys still sitting in the stand that are getting paid an enormous wage. And the short term, come the summer, there's going to be some freedom under that. And yet again, like it's going to come down to how much Hearts want for him. Hearts in January selling him made no sense to Hearts, in my honest opinion. Aye. Because what they've done is strengthened third position. Hearts are basically already in third. Nobody's going to catch Hearts in third. They're going to play in Europe next year. You know, whether that's in the group stage or whether it's qualifying, I don't know. But for me, Rangers shouldn't be overpaying for Lauren Shankland. And that's not a disrespectful thing to Lauren Shankland. I just think he's not going to be a guaranteed starter every week for Rangers. So if you're going to pay something for him, it, it should be in the one and a half to two million pound range. Do you know? Aye, and that's just, uh, that's just my opinion. Come the summer, I I'd, I'd probably I'd probably agree with you on that, Wally. But I don't think Rangers are interested in him in the first place. What I was going to say was, I think we Rangers bringing Silva and then having the January that, that they had. I think what what they've done is they've bought time. So I think Corbin's yeah. going to be doing an awful lot of work between now and the summer to go out and get his a striker of, say, the Alfredo Morelos silk. And I don't mean the type of player Morelos is. I mean, like, going to Finland and getting a gem for a million quid. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? I think we're going to get doing that route. So I don't think Shankland's going to happen, to be brutally honest with you. As, as much as I it pains me to say it, because the, the, the guy would just... like If he was if he was in, your, in, in a Rangers jersey now, he'd have scored three or four on night. He's, he's a much better finisher than Cyril Dessers. And his chances yeah, yeah. at being... But we still need to add Scottish players in the summer. That's why I still believe we will try and go after some Scottish players in the summer. Like then you're looking at well, who is there? Because it's well, only really Corin Barron's name like so I mean if you sign him and then you lose Scott Wright. So if Scott Wright goes in summer, if Rangers takes accept a nominal fee and he goes somewhere else, that's fine. But you still need to add more Scottish players to the core because if not, we can't like sort of fulfill the twenty five man squad. So that's the problem we've got. So we do need to recruit in Scotland. We need to look at what we can sign. I really like the boy David Watson, but I don't want to stop the development of somebody like Bailey Rice. Because oh, in my honest opinion, and I said that to you on the pod, it probably caused a riot, right? I genuinely believe that Bailey Rice is as good as what Watson is and what Lennon Muller is. The only difference is these two guys are playing first-team football and Bailey's not. But that that's where Rangers are going wrong. That's where Rangers are going wrong. Yeah, and that's so, the thing that comes back. So, but the good thing for Bailey is, is it come this summer, Bailey will be eligible to be part of the European squad as a homegrown player because he's done his two years. So Bailey's then eligible to be part of the European squad, which then makes it easier for the manager to utilise him during the season. At the moment, he can't even put Bailey on the bench in Europe because he's not eligible to play. Because nice. he would need to be registered as a full player. And this is a problem as well for some of the other academy players. So... It's a difficult one, but I do think that 
as a club, we do need to try and get the best Scottish players. However, it should be done at a value that's right for us. Aye. And I don't see Aberdeen doing business for us with Miofsky. I know he's a non-Scot, kind of going off kilter, but and I, and I think Kelly will get really good money for the boy Watson. And I Aye. don't think Rangers will be close to like paying that money for what they would look for him. In my opinion, Bailey's not far away. I know Alex Kelly saying Bailey's not near ready. In my opinion, Bailey isn't far off where he needs to be. Because Bailey has already got so many of the attributes required to be a top midfield player. And the fact that he's in training with the first team, and the fact the manager's told him that he only needs to maybe add a couple of things to his game, that would suggest he's not that far away for the first team. And it's about doing that quietly behind the scenes and developing. And it, yeah, again, he'll probably play tomorrow against Carlisle's first team. And to me, that's a good level of test for the B team, and that's where they should be. And that's where we'll, you know, can I generally look at a player and say, well, if he could do that against Carlisle's first team, he can probably do well for Rangers in the first team level as well, because he's been tested against men and he stood out again. And any time I watch Bailey, I just think he's a top player and he's only going to get better in the coming months and years ahead. So, Obviously, we've got a wee bit ahead of ourselves early in the summer, but we've still got a lead out to win, boys. Um, and, you know, I think we are charging on um, viciously. Chris has just pinged in a wee start there that that's Rangers won 18 lead games that they've strolled first in. Um, you know, we're getting the first goal, we're killing teams off. Um, you know, and long may that continue. It's a really tough game, in any nice weekend? Hearts, the form team in, in Strolling right now over the last 10 games, but. There's been a lot of good discussion, but we can't finish up without getting serious and really talk about the stuff that really matters. So, Chris, let's talk about how pissed Celtic are. Ah, <laughs> oh, uh, it's um, it's it's been interesting actually to see them. Obviously, since the the old Firm game, actually they've been all over the place. I think the, the January transfer window that I touched on earlier on, I think that was a really important one for their fans to see what the board were going to do to back, you know, the, the, their manager. And I think obviously there was a lot of, I think the old firm game aside, I think that probably bought a bit of time. But then obviously getting out, coming out of January transfer window, we're just bringing in, I think just they brought in either the, the, the striker, um, maybe another couple. But, you know, on the deadline day, the ones that they were wanting, you know, they only got that, that, that guy in. So um, they rebuffed, obviously, allegedly an offer for Atletico Madrid for one of their players. Um, uh, so I think they've had a poor <clears throat> window, which is then brought a bit of hostility, which was already there. I think that's been bubbling at the surface all, all summer, um, all, all, all post the Coglu going. Um, and to be fair, us being shite got them out of jail, I think, for a fair bit of the, the, the season. Um, <clears throat> and that's not there anymore. And, and we are, again, you touched on that stat there. Um, you know, games that we've scored first time we've won in the league, 18 um, great start shows if we get a good start and we've never done that against them so if you look at the two games we've played against Celtic we've hardly laid a glove on them out with going down to 10, man and 10 men and sort of starting from that point try to bring something back but the anxiety in the stadium that day we had about five to go when we got any injury time you could feel it from you know through the TV so I actually said this to one of my pals where Celtic picked up a win away from home um, and I think it was Hibs. Uh, it was it was Hibs. 
And I says, I don't think Celtic will drop many away from home. I think it's when they go to home at, um, at, at their own stadium that they're going to struggle. Um, and that's happened now a few times this season. And I think it's just purely, you know, the tension that's already there, the tension that's built within a stadium. There's been a lot of issues around the stadium with the, the fans, the Green Brigade and stuff like that for, for, for the get-go this year. Um, and then we've felt it at Ibrox, haven't we, when, it's the, when the shoe's on the other foot. You know, you can actually feel it, the tension. And that was there. And listen, Kilmarnock, I've seen the highlights, the extended highlights for the game on Saturday. And Kilmarnock were value for it. Probably could have had a penalty as well, if we're going to be honest on the man of the touch. So <clears throat> that happening for me is that is something I think is going to happen for now till the end of the season. I think that's, I don't think they're going to be able to shift that. They can't bring anybody in to change it. Um, half of them don't want Rogers there, and I think that that percentage is growing by the week. Um, so it's a it's an interesting one. Do you know what I mean? It's it is an interesting. How do, how do they how do they stop that whilst the shoe on the other foot in terms of us across the city? If you like, we are just sort of winning games, um, and we're, we're doing it well. So I it's it's interesting to see how it goes. <clears throat> you know, if if uh, if that form keeps up, and the I touched on us a couple of weeks ago, but that trajectory from Clement coming in point wise if that keeps up with us gaining and them obviously going back to me it's huge and the last thing I'll say about it I wanted to check this before I come in but I thought I'd be right they've now dropped more points now than they had the whole of last season um, and, and that's uh, that's interesting with the fact that there's 12 games to go and also interesting when you know, when you see that Ange possibly go through the tower in me about three or four games ago if you remember he was going to Spurs for early May, weren't they, really? Um, and they dropped a few points. So, uh, they've now dropped, I think it's two more points than what they've done the whole of last season. Are they, and they've got to still, they've still got to come to Ibrox, you know, against an Angels team that performed. So, uh, I think it's it's going to be interesting. The, the more they drop points, the better for us, clearly. Um, and I want that to kind of continue on. But it'll be interesting to see how they stop that rock, particularly at home. Scott, Chris touched on the, the toxic atmosphere. Um, the... East end of the city, and and a couple of people mentioned um, in the comments about the power, the like, energy for the stands can go into the pitch. That's that's where it feels different this year. Where we are, the, the crowd is changing. Uh, I broke this season. You know, for, we went on a transformation with the team as well. We were still very impatient when Clement came in, but now we're giving all the buy-in in the world. We're willing to be patient and. Well, quite famously, not a patient bunch, uh, the Rangers fans, whereas the other, other side of the city, they're tearing, the, tearing each other apart. Um, Rangers will drop points this season. I, I'm, I'm convinced we won't go unbeaten um, and win every game. But I think, you know, I, I, I don't think we throw the baby out with the bathwater when we do. And I think that's, that's key. And the other thing that's key is that when Celtic have dipped in form, we've capitalised on it and we've not done that in the last few years. I 100%, 100%. I'm putting it down to Philippe Clement again. Um, I think since he's come in, we're, we're nine points clear of Celtic. Um, hearts are levelling points with him since Philippe Clement started as well. So that, that's that alone kind of tells you what's, what's going on across the city. They're in the same place that we were in at the beginning of the season under Michael Beale. I can't get that um, up Motherwell home win out my head where we won 1-0, but if the team still get booed off the park and it was quite toxic and stuff like that. But Celtic have, since they appointed Rodgers in the summer, it's a constant uphill battle for them. They're not um, 
they, they don't really seem to have a brand of football. Not that I can see anyway, and that's surprising for a Brendan Rodgers team. Which I may also add, Rodgers came in and made his announcement at the beginning of the season telling, telling him they would see his supporters there at the end of May. Obviously, for winning the league and seeing he's seen, he's seen our five Rangers managers and all this sort of stuff. So it's it's nice to see him kind of swallowing his medicine a wee bit, to be brutally honest with you, because he's a bit of an arrogant guy. Um, good manager, but he's very, very, very arrogant about his body of work and all this type of stuff. So let it continue as far as I'm concerned. When they're winning, they're not winning convincingly. They were starting to maybe hit a wee bit of form before we went a break. But the winter break came at a good time for us because they've been out and they've signed uh, Adam Eder, who there was a, a clip on Twitter earlier on and our Celtic pod had said that they'd probably prefer Hoopy the Huddle Hound up front to Adam Eder. So it kind of tells you everything that you need to know about what's going on across the city, Colin. And well, I just finally own next weekend. Um, it's going to be a tough, tough game, but I don't care how we get it done. We just need to get the three points done, even if this is a, a dodgy, Masonic, conspiratorial penalty given to Tavernier again and we're straight by hearts. That puts us five points clear of Celtic and then they go and play on the Sunday. Time and time again, Rangers have played after Celtic and they've, you know, They've had to test a mentality, test a bottle. We've not always done that the last couple of years. The shoes on the other foot now. We need to keep the foot on their throats. Yeah, look, it's it's a great opportunity, but I think we are all aware that it's going to be a tough game. You know, hearts are coming with a lot of confidence. But we're at Ibrox, so, like, so we should always believe we're going to win the games at Ibrox. I think the big thing for us between now and the end of the season is a European run, like depending on how far we get in that stage, because that obviously is going to take its toll given we don't have the biggest of European squads, you know, we obviously weren't able to make six or seven changes, which I'm sure is what the manager would really like to have done to that European squad. Um, and I think that's why one or two players were left out, purely to give them a bit of a rest at times, especially somebody like Balligan. Because I think Balligan is going to be hugely influential between now and the end of the season. Like, he is going to come in and play some games. Aye. Especially the games that I think are maybe more we just say like more physical, more direct. Because I think at times with Suter, he's great at taking the ball and stepping out. But I think with Balligan, you sometimes need that more kind of like just head on everything that's coming his way. And I think that's where Leon's at his best. But certainly, hearts are going to be tough. You know, it's amazing in football, things change so quickly. Having sat at Ibrox and that Aberdeen game when we get beat, and I think we all basically knew that was the end of Michael Beale at that point. You know, even sitting inside the stadium with 10 or 15 minutes ago, everybody could feel it. And yet, we're not that far away from then and we're sitting top of the league. It it doesn't really feel real given how poor we were and how how easy we were to play against. And I don't watch a lot of Celtic games, but I know speaking to some of the guys in work, the one thing they continue to say is that He's trying to play his way with a team that basically Posta Coglu put together and played in a different style. And I think sometimes that's a big part of football. You know, in the summer, if he was going to change his style, Rogers, which he was always going to do ahead of Posta Coglu leaving, you've then got to bring in players that work in that system. He never really did that, or the board just didn't bring in the players that he needed or wanted. And I was stunned in January that they only really brought in the two players. I really thought they would have went 
all in, maybe spent 10, 15, 20 million pounds and made sure that they went to the league title. So I was very surprised that they only really added, you know, the boy from Norwich and then the boy, was it for Austria, was it they signed him from? Um, I just felt that was strange. Maybe they just felt they already had done enough and they would be fine with the squad that they had. But personally, I'm delighted with what we did in January. And I think getting players back to fitness has been the biggest thing since then. Getting Lawrence fit has been huge. Red Vans found his forum, which we've been waiting for for a long time. And, you know, other players have managed to kind of find ways of, of helping us win games. But these next two games are huge. You know, we're all going to Kelly away is going to be a huge, huge game. Given that Celtic have already lost there twice and we've lost there as well. It's not exactly a place that we'll maybe get high hopes of winning, but I do believe we can go and win the games, but it's easier said than done because I do think the next two games will probably be a big barometer between us winning the league title and not. I really do think if we can win those two games, the confidence in the team will be sky high if we can get through those two games. Yeah, I mean, that's a, a lovely play, a lovely thought to end tonight's pod on. So, um, thanks everybody for listening. Um, we'll, of course, be back with the, the live stream on Thursday night to talk about the heart stream and there'll be a bit more detail who'll come in, what will be Balogun, what will be Dessels leading the line, and all the news that happens in the week. If you do want more content, um, you can join the members page on YouTube or the Patreon, um, www.patreon.com forward slash the gallant few and i'll be on with the new show tomorrow morning you'll get one every day this week so all that's left to do is thank you to my three guests um first of all scott um scott say goodbye to listeners and tell them where they can find more of you um thanks everybody for tuning in colin cheers for having me chris and william good um Find me on Twitter at scottymac992. I'm going to be starting up. Kai Watson at the Rangers Journal has asked me to run a podcast for him. So I've managed to get Colin and Chris on board, thankfully, to come on and help out every now and again. So go on, go on over. Well, first pod's tomorrow night at um, half past eight. We're going to run it every Monday and a Friday. So head on over, get out a wee like and subscribe for me. There's going to be a lot of new faces as well. Um... Who, who are first on to the podcasting world. So some different chat, etc., and different opinions. We're going to try and do things about it a different way. So um, head on over to that and call and cheers again, mate. Always a pleasure, Scotty. Willie, thank you very much for breaking your podcast hiatus with us. a pleasure having you on, mate. Aye, mate. I wasn't doing much today after work, so I thought I would come on and talk nonsense for an hour. So it's been good fun as always. And last, by all means, at least, Chris. Thanks for coming on, mate. Nah, cheers, mate. Thank you. Um, good to talk about the football over the weekend. Um, and I obviously the first podcast I've done a couple of weeks ago. I raised a wee bit of awareness about um the the charity that I'm involved in. It's a mental health charity, man on Inverclyde. Um, you'll find us online. Uh, if anybody is needing support, just reach out to us. So, I uh, cheers for letting us get another wee plug for that. And thank you again to all the listeners. Um, you know where to find us, but go and enjoy your Sunday. We, you've deserved it. We've been through them all this season, but um, the sunshine is creeping through. So take care. We are the people. <laughs>